Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam. We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And you can hear our live stream at www.wcev1450.com. If you are new to Radio Islam, we are a live call-in talk radio program. And we air every night from 6 to 7 p.m. Central from the wonderful city of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, be sure to follow us, like us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's at Radio Islam USA, at Radio Islam USA. All right, Radio Islam family, I'm not going to take a lot of time and tell you all the radio stuff I normally tell you, uh, but you, you know those things already. At least I hope you do. But if not, I'm just excited to get into this conversation. We, we have a follow-up uh, conversation we spoke with a really wonderful group uh, representing three faith traditions that put their faith in action uh, to benefit the people of Houston uh, that were dealing with the after effects of Hurricane Harvey. So about a month ago, uh, we had a chance to talk with, uh, with representatives, uh, leaders from the Muslim, the Jewish, and the Christian faith traditions. And these wonderful folks are back in studio to talk with us today about their experience. And I'm going to give you a quick intro, let you know who is in the building with us right now. So I'm going to start to my right. We have Asif Masood. He is a member of the Interfaith Committee at MCC. And we have Dr. Sally Nader. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have two representatives from Congregation Hakafa. Uh, and Dr. Sally Nader is immediately to... Asif's right, and she is a clinical psychologist, uh, longtime social justice ag advocate. And to her right, we have Rabbi, <clears throat> Rabbi Bruce Elder, who is the rabbi of Congregation Hakafa. And to his right, we have Reverend Jeffrey D. Braun. He is a senior pastor of Winnetka Congregational Church. Last time I introduced him, I had to tell you that he had. That he, that he lived with his wonderful family and the two dogs and, and the guinea pig. That is correct, yes. Okay. but so Still alive. So you, you got the longest <laughs> intro. <laughs> all right. So uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, I'm really glad that you all took the time to come back and, and to tell us about uh, your experience. So uh, feel free to, to, to give a shout, to give a greeting to the Radio Islam family. Assalamu <laughs> uh, Radio Islam family. Uh, it's great to be here, Tarek. Thank you. Shukran, uh, thank you for having us back. That's great. Uh, glad to be back. Mm -hmm. It's an honor to be here. Uh, Bruce is often fond of saying ditto after something <laughs> profound is said, so I'm going to actually double down on ditto. It is an honor to be here. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so that said, you guys spent, um, I guess the, the, the majority time was, uh, the average time was about four days, right? Okay, so you left on a Monday and came back on a Friday. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, whoever wants to feel this, what what's the what's the major takeaway? Before we even get into what you did on the ground, just what did this do for you on a, just as an individual? What did this do for your heart, for your your perceptions? What what did what did it do for you, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so a couple things, uh, first and foremost, being down in Houston months afterwards, 
mm-hmm. it reinforced just how much need is still there. Mm-hmm. And as much as our news cycles push us to the next thing so quickly, to be able to step back and see the real need and real people that need us, um, that to me was incredibly stark. And number two, the ability to do something with other folks that you don't necessarily know and be uh, forced to live with them and eat with them and share with them and drive with them. Um, and then to realize how much you actually like them was a real kind of honor too. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So need and, and at the same time meaning and fun. Okay. I think I would say that when you when you get to know the people or the situation, more the situation perhaps, you realize the 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 fine grain uh, of that situation. For example, uh, in order to have help, to be helped, to have their houses rebuilt, people had to prove ownership of the homes. And many of these homes had passed down from generation to generation. People didn't actually have uh, proof. Uh, and and uh, in order to get FEMA help in one instance, uh, a woman did not qualify because her house had been damaged from rain that came in through the roof rather than from floodwaters that had come in through the front door. Uh, all of these these fine details, when you were there face to face with the situation, just just change. Uh, at least for me, my perception of it makes it so much different than simply reading about it in the newspaper. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what was the majority of the the work, or was there one particular? Uh, function or task that you all f- uh, filled while you were down there, or was it a variety of different uh, things? The, the work was varied. We, on the first day, we split between into two groups, and one group went to one work site where we were through every day of the week except Friday, and then the, another half of the group or so, roughly half, went to work on what became two other homes, and the work in those locations was very different. The primary home that most of us worked on, we had in in common, um, that was Monday through Thursday, was going in and making sure that all the mold, all the mildew was kind of scruffed off of all of the woodwork. It was bare. The outside of the house looked normal. You walked in, and it was all floor beams and two-by-fours and joists, and everything had to be scrubbed with wire brushes and then sprayed. Uh, so that you could actually put wood and insulation, et cetera, on top of those framing pieces of wood and not have any mold that was going to then regrow after the interior was finished. So we did that. We were putting down uh, boards to create the subfloor uh, and then starting to ins- insulate, and that was where we left off with that house on Thursday. But there were other houses, too, as I said, that we were worked on. I wasn't at those sites, mm-hmm. so it would be interesting to hear what was being done at those spots from, from people who were there. Sally, were you at one of those other I, spots? I was. We, um, we were measuring and putting down furring strips on, a, on the concrete mm-hmm. floor. And uh, then uh, we had a tool that it was like an electric drill that, that set off a gunpowder charge that pushed the screw into the concrete. Uh, but but that didn't work, and so we were pulled off that job to go to a different one. We we got stuck at that point, but up until that point, we had measured these furring strips and, and glued them down to the concrete, and 
so that's I think you had the harder job, Jeff, in scraping the mold uh, because you were wearing the Tyvek suits and the respirators and hot, um, long, long hours of doing that same very fine task. Tell, tell us a little bit about, so you had on the, the full body uh, hazmat protection. Mm -hmm. um, was there, was there a, a training that you had to go through before putting it on? And, 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 and how, what was that like working in that? Well, the training was they put me in the suit and then put me in the house and said they were going to troubleshoot based on whether I came out alive or not. <laughs> so it was a very supportive group. I'm kidding. Um, that was Asif's plan, but the rest of the group voted it down. No, we were given a lot of information. We were told what we needed to do. We gathered up as a group. Uh, one of the things I just want to say, it's sort of a shout-out to what SBP, um, St. Bernard Project, was the original name. Now it's just SBP, and they work across the country in disaster recovery uh, helping to shorten that time span from disaster to someone being back in their home. Their primary focus is renovating homes, not building from scratch. Um, and they've done that when they started in Katrina, and they've broadened, been in Joplin, Missouri, and Carolina, and uh, Long Island, New Jersey, after Superstorm Sandy, clearly now there in Houston. But they gather up the group beforehand, and they first and foremost tell you who the owner is or who the owners are. Mm -hmm. And they make sure that you are very grounded in the life story and in the regard for the owners that that organization works to have. So this is absolutely about the work, and what we're doing down there is trying to get people back in their homes to have a homecoming. Right. But it is clearly grounded in the respect for those people. So it's a very people-centric organization, and you gather up and hear about them. Their owners are referred to by Miss or Mr. and Mrs. I mean, it's it's very uh, authentic and respectful and then there's some team building that's done and then there's safety instruction that's then provided so when we suited up we've done all of that first and then went in and we were given instruction about what to do and then you're kind of just set to your own devices to do the work and as Sally said it was it was hot enough when you're in the Tyvek suit and you have on uh, it's a you know a hood your face is the only part that's showing you have on a respirator As Asif and I had to shave our beards, so we had a good seal on the respirator. We, you know, we really gave it all for the team. And once you start to get heated up from doing the work, you literally are heading out every 10, 15 minutes to change your goggles because you're fogging it up. Mm -hmm. And uh, work went well and uh, you know, didn't feel as rigorous as, as maybe it was because we were there together and you were having conversation or there was music playing. Um, but you were you were really sealed up in those suits. Hmm. So, uh, Asif, working in the suits, um, well, not so much working in the suits. Tell me a little bit about this idea of being introduced to the owners of a home. What type of uh, impact did that have on your on the work for sure. you? Um, yeah, I mean, the, well, the suits themselves, kind of, like Jeff was saying, like, yeah. it was cold in the mornings. We actually welcomed the suits on the first day. By the afternoon, <laughs> it really did start getting hot. But yeah. to, the, to that point, SPP is a great organization because we were basically the labor that showed up. You know, they provided the project management, they provided the material, and they provided the tools. Right. And they would train us on how to use it. So you didn't really need to know anything about uh, how to use a power tool or whatnot. They taught you everything. But, like, uh, you were asking about the owners themselves. I mean, it made it really personal, right? You knew from the start whose house you were working on. And really what we got to see, because we were there for four days. Mm. And, you know, it's probably going to take about two to three months for these two owners to get back into their house. So it just makes you think, you know, 
there's probably about 100 people over the course of two to three months that are helping two people get back into their house. So it just really creates this whole thing. Wow, like these two people matter to how many people and how many people have worked to get them back. And that's like a really cool factor <laughs> that you know played into for me. Mm. So what was a typical, uh, what's the, the length of a typical work day? Uh, Bruce, if you want to take that. Uh, so we, we got there probably by 8.15, started mm-hmm. working pretty quickly, 8.30 till about noon. There was an hour lunch, and then we went from 1 to 3 to 4.30, somewhere around there. And then we'd go back, and we'd have some kind of something that we would do in the evening together. Um, but that was the work day that, at, at the houses. Did you all have any, um, like, team building, or was the work itself the team building? Uh, you know, a lot of times when you have – um, interfaith groups, uh, people that don't know one another, there are moments where you say, okay, let's get together, team. Uh, but with this type of, of gathering, were there still team building or was the work the team building? Sally? I, I would <coughs> say it's both. Uh, certainly the work was. Um, now, now that I've been back, occasionally I'll run into somebody who was there and we wave and there's a smile. <laughs> Behind all of that is the knowledge of this stuff that we went through. Um, but also in the evenings we had group discussions uh, that, that uh, explicitly talked about our different traditions and, and provided an opportunity for questions and um, and people to share individual experiences, uh, and you know, it's. I think it's true that we all c- take different paths to where we are, even within our own religion. That two people have not had the same experience exactly, and um, and and so we talked about that. But I, I think it's both. The work experience brought us together, and and the discussions in the evening did that too. So we wanted to organize something, Mm -hmm. as Sally mentioned, and so it was planned that each of the faith traditions would lead a discussion or something in the evening. Um, But what I realized very quickly, and although we did that, was I have traveled with the group that has done this now four times through Hakafa, that the more I get out of their way, the more they can just go and be. So I got out of their way as much as possible because... The more contrived it is, the more difficult it is to break down the whatever there is to be broken down. But if you put Sally or Joan, who was with us, Joan Fishman or someone else in a room with people, they're just going to start talking and hanging out and working together. And our work groups, when you're in there, you have to just start working with someone. So we all just kind of paired up. And sometimes it was with people from our own congregations, but most of the time it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So you just start forming the relationships that way. I think the the solution to many of humanity's problems could be put everybody on a van or a bus. <laughs> Somehow, all y'all get on the bus, and you're all going to camp, even if we're going to go work at a house, and it's a very difficult situation to not make light of it. But there was that team camaraderie, that just joy of being together. And, you know, you got the person who's all the way in the back making a comment about whoever's driving, and maybe it was Bruce. I was I was shotgun in the car with him or the van with him once, and and you know, conversations cropping up, and from from silly to topical to very deep and personal, and there's just that togetherness that happens before you even get to the work site. Yeah. And I was able to marvel during the course of the week at just exactly as Sally and Bruce and Asif have said how naturally people just were themselves and were bonding. It was very effortless, and it was within probably minutes after we arrived, all of us at the two houses, which were side by side. We'd rented two homes side by side, 
and we're all having a little bit of downtime to figure out who's you know staying in what room and it was just like the big family reunion and we'd all been back after a year apart so it was very natural and that was i think god in motion yeah um bruce you mentioned uh, the word that caught my ear the contrived um in, in terms of try and what i what i thought of is when we put on our our muslim hat our jewish hat our christian hat then with that it that there can be a a certain demeanor that that comes with that um or an expectation uh, of others or or even a rejection of of others and so when i heard that from you do you feel do you, do you feel like or are you saying that since that was not a part of or that was not, or maybe that's a question, was that not a part of the whole experience where nobody is really worried about so much that that identity as a, um, you know, what their faith, faith tradition is, we're just here for a purpose? And that impacted the, you know, I would say yes and. Okay. Um, in that. That's very Second City of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't know what that means, but thank you. So I would say that yes, in that we want to accept people as we just wanted to be there as people doing work. Right. But this was all. This was at the same time a bit contrived because we had different faith traditions coming together for the purpose of us learning with each other and from each other. Mm-hmm. And so to deny that aspect of it would have missed a point of what we were doing. You know. That I got to sit with Asif on a really long. He was uh, shotgun on the way to the mosque when we spent an evening at the mosque. At the mosque, um, and the way traffic is in Houston, we were we were just sitting and hanging out and schmoozing, talking. It was fantastic. It was beautiful. And I, 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 I always saw Asif as Asif, but I didn't know Asif. To me, he was, if I'm honest, the leader of the Muslim contingents. See that the part that was with us. So I don't want to deny that. You don't want to deny people the right to assert who and what they are, but you don't want to make it about that either. Mm-hmm. I was having a conversation in Hakafa yesterday where I told people why I don't like interfaith dialogue. And interfaith dialogue to me is when groups of people who are different come together to talk, to tell others, right, what they're about, mm-hmm. not necessarily to hear what others are about. Yeah. And so to create a situation where we have to listen and we have to talk and we have to use our hands and be. A little bit of both. Mm. Any other thoughts? Yeah, and, and I might say at that uh, Muslim um, e- event that, that you emceed, Asif, you asked a wonderful question. Um, you asked all of us, the group that was there in our little group, uh, in what way was God's love manifest in what we had done? And just just such a terrific question, um, you know, the, the more questions than answers, but just just wonderful. And I might add that the, that that uh, mosque complex had a health clinic that provided free care for people, anybody. Um, so wonderful to see all all that they had. You know, we should definitely come back to the mosque experience at some point in the conversation because <laughs> it was really amazing. Well, you know what, you all, I'm going to throw this uh, throw out, uh, throw this thought out. Um, we don't want to throw any throats out. Uh, and this thought is, uh, there was, there's a book called um, Finding Jesus Among Muslims, How Loving Islam Makes Me a Better Catholic 
by uh, Jordan Denary Duffner. And there's a, there's a line in the book where she's talking about inter- interfaith. And she says that, and, I'm not, and I don't think she took credit for the, the statement, but uh, she says that, um, that interfaith dialogue is about convergence, not conversion. And I thought that that was such a, uh, a poignant and, and powerful uh, statement and, and a way to go into those types of, and I felt those types of uh, uh, settings, and I feel like that's what I'm, I'm looking at and I'm hearing about, the, uh, a conversion, um, convergence, excuse me, and not a convergence. So, well, since we're on it already, we're talking about the mosque um, uh, visit. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us tell us a little a little bit about it? Sure. I'll, before that, though, uh, what you said about convergence, um, yeah. you know, for me, like historically, kind of what interfaith has meant is what do the faith groups have in common? You know, that's kind of like how, when I'm growing up, that's what we would always kind of talk about. But I heard uh, Reverend Dirk Fika speak. Uh, he was the uh, leader, ex-leader of the Department of World Religions. Um, and his point was it wasn't about our similarities. It's about accepting each other for our differences. And that's kind of how I went into this trip, right? It wasn't about converting anybody. It wasn't about trying to see what was similar in our religions. It was really about accepting each other's religions, but accepting each other as people and followers of that religion. So that, that to me, was the mindset that I was uh, kind of coming into this. And, you know, uh, kind of what Bruce was, it wasn't forced in that sense, but we did have evening talks talks about, okay, what is the question you want to ask? Like, Bruce led this on Monday night. That's kind of, I think, you know, we were coming together before that, but it was like, just open the doors. What are you scared to ask, you know, a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim, right? So so it wasn't, we didn't necessarily want to force it, but let's open the door so that, you know, we don't have anything that we're afraid to say and kind of bring that in, right? And so, so you know, Bruce led the Monday evening session, Jeff led the Tuesday evening, and for me, it was leading Wednesday evening, right? And I thought, what better way to do that but now take a trip to a mosque, right? So it was about 45 minutes away. I contacted, you know, they have a uh, a, a big organization down in Houston uh, that basically is in charge of a bunch of the mosques down there. So I contacted them, hey, we have a group coming in, you know, we want to visit a a mosque and you know can you uh, give us one where the interfaith group is going to be there and we can have a dialogue and it was just a beautiful setting we we worked all day right and a 45 minute drive to this where we're also getting to know each other and wanting to get there exactly at 7 p.m because that's when they host uh, told us to be there right mm-hmm. and we don't want to be late uh but then just the beautiful thing of, you know, a lot of the women were asking, do we need to cover our hair and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And even though I came back, you know, you don't need to do anything. I got okay from the leaders, but they still were concerned. And they, I think one of them went to Walmart to get scarves from, you know, the other way. I mean, it was just a beautiful thing where even though they didn't feel the need to, they wanted to, right, because they didn't want to necessarily offend, you know. I mean, so it was just that concern that was there. And then when we got there, you know, we, we got to watch Isha prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and then just to take a tour of the masjid where, you know, they let people in to, uh, you know, when the hurricane happened, they opened up the mosque and let people in for days. Um, and, you know, like Sally mentioned the clinic that was there, and then they also had uh, a beautiful meal for us to partake in and just have dialogue with them. And, you know, I thought of, because, you know, Bruce 
led one evening and Jeff led the other. Like, how do I want to lead this evening? And my work has been, you know, looking for a loving God. Like, you know, because growing up, I was taught about a punishing God. That's kind of how my parents taught me. And my work as a grown-up has been to kind of balance the two, but learn more about the loving God. And that's, I read a Rumi poem and kind of led the inquiry of, okay, how did you see God's love today in the work that we did? And it was just a beautiful evening just thinking about that and the commonality of God's love in all three faiths, right? Mm. I'm interested to hear, what were some of the responses to that question? How do you see God's love in the work? Was, was there any response that, that stuck with you or... I mean, if not, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly can't remember what I said. And I think it's the kind of question that where there's not an, an immediate obvious response, it, it's one of those things, well, what in the specifics of our work today, what was a moment that really struck me? I, I can't remember what I said. It was beautiful. Whatever it was, it was beautiful. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. And, and, and our, our seeming... Um, flat-footedness in answering your question doesn't mean the question is bad or there was an absence of poignant responses. Of course not. What struck me, I'm going to respond more in terms of the energy around the table. Mm -hmm. And it was a very long table, you know, multiple long tables, you know, six-footers, eight-footers, with three or four of them in a row. We're all the way down each side, and there are people at each end, and we're all very interspersed. Our, Our hosts from the mosque and then the component members of our our, you know, three-group group. And Asif did such a wonderful job of just teeing this up, as Sally said, and, and as people just thoughtfully responded to where they had seen God working in love, out of love, for the purpose of, of promoting love in their life or in the work they'd done. There was a doctor that was talking about, a member of the mosque, who was talking about his work with a patient and setting her at ease by using humor. Uh, there was a member of our group um, from Congregation Hakafa in particular, but from our group who was not as physically able to do some of the hard labor that we were doing. It was very difficult physical labor. And she was at the edge of the property and just sort of taking in the whole scene and watching everybody work, providing emotional support. And there were these roosters that were sort of near our property and the one a little farther away that were engaging in sort of a dialogue and she said in the midst of all this destruction and these homes that are being rebuilt and sort of the the liminal nature of being in between we're not home yet we haven't recovered from the storm and these two creatures of God making these incredibly strong declarations like I'm here and things are great and life is good and her ability to hear that nobody knew she heard it nobody knew what she was doing and she was unable to participate in that moment in the work and then she brought that into the fold at the table it was just so poetic and at the end she sort of said i'm not i'm not really sure you know where that fits or how that fits but i think we were all struck by the beauty of what she was saying and her observational power and her willingness to be present and so the energy around the table just kept deepening and deepening and knitting and knitting and again there was that sense of diversity and of individuality and yet of a cohered whole our humanity now very beautifully expressed in a mutual way so that's, to me, how I experienced that night was this beautiful pooling, but without it being a melting pot. The diversity, the individuality we're able to sustain as well. Mm. That, is, uh, that is true integration um, as opposed to assimilation. So, all right. And each, so each, uh, so Bruce, you led one night. Um, 
now was by was, far the most profound night. <laughs> <laughs> So, all I said was ditto that night. That's, that's, okay. that's just all I said. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice follow-up, Jeff. <laughs> so, um, all right, Radio Slime family, we're going to take a short break, and we will be back in a moment to continue our conversation. This is Radio Slime. We'll be right back. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome back to Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. This is your host, Tariq El Radio Islam family, make sure that you are keeping up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. Well, about a month and a half ago, I think it was about a month and a half ago, we had a conversation with an interfaith group uh, represented uh, by members of MCC uh, Congregation Hakafa and Winnetka Congregational Church. Uh, they took a trip to Houston uh, to lend their 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 talents, uh, their time to helping out victims, uh, those who have been affected by Hurricane Harvey. So. Uh, we had a conversation with them, like I said, about a month and a half ago, and we are in the midst of a conversation today about the experience that they had. Uh, we're talking with Asif Masood uh, from MCC, uh, Reverend Jeffrey Braun, uh, Senior Pastor of Winneka Congregational Church, Dr. Sally Nader, a clinical psychologist, also a member of Congregation Hakafa, and Rabbi Bruce Elder, the rabbi of Congregation Hakafa. In Glencoe. So we're going to pick up our conversation uh, where we left off before the break. Hope you enjoy it. Yeah, let's get into it. So did you all go to, to a synagogue for the night that you that you lit? Uh, no, we decided the first evening would be just I would set up the asking the hard questions. And okay. so we were just it was our getting to know each other. I have a dear friend and colleague who's a rabbi down there who came and spent some time with us uh, the second evening while Jeff was talking and kind of spoke to uh, what it was like when the floods came and what it's been like since. Um, but we did not go to a synagogue, no. Okay. And um, Jeff? Well, you know mine was the least <laughs> profound because that's that's not been made clear. So <laughs> yeah, we don't need to talk about it. You know, but before we move on, I, w- I want to ask this. These hard questions, these difficult questions, uh, was there a lot of was there was there consternation? Was there a lot of uh, time taken, or was this was there soul searching uh, in answering those questions, or or was there was there any fear? You know, because it, what I've noticed sometimes when you get diverse groups together is that people are hesitant to start talking 
right? Especially if, if it's something that is really uh, sensitive. You know, it's like that first person is, is the hero, and then you know, you 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 gauge the room after that. So, was that present? Uh, there really wasn't. I was actually surprised at how um, easy the questions were, and I was really pushing people to ask questions. Um, to Asif's point beforehand, that Asif was willing to be there in an environment in which a lot of folks don't know, know a lot of Muslims. Mm-hmm. That this was a great opportunity to ask some questions, and, and either people didn't feel comfortable enough yet to ask them, or they really didn't have those questions. I would love to think it's the latter. Right. And definitely by the end, it, it was a non, again, there was a non-issues about our differences that I think people could have asked you, but I guess it just wasn't there. From the questions I remember, I don't remember, was there any hard questions? I don't, I, I, I don't remember there were any. I remember a lot of sharing of, of personal experiences. This is what this is how I came to Judaism, or this is what it's yes. been for me. Uh, I remember somebody from your church. Jeff said she's fourth generation in that church. I mean, for her, this is what it is. And I think with you and with um, Esau, our. Um, I, I learned about your parents and, and your experience in this country and, and where they came from. Um, and and uh, so I think we had those individual conversations. No, that's absolutely right. I, I don't remember any real hard questions. And so there, there was fear for me in like where the conversation would go, but I was welcoming it because I, I think that was kind of the purpose of this whole thing. Like, let's dive in, let's get into that. But there were no real hard questions. It was more about learning about us as individuals and what my, you know, the immigrant story of my parents and how did we come to America? You know, just that. So it was more of the individual thing. And I think to Bruce's point, I think it was more like that, you know, because what I usually expect always is about, you know, hijab or, you know, women are subdued. I mean, None of that really came out, uh, you know, in, uh, with these folks. So, yeah. okay, uh, Jeff. No, I was just going to say I, I so appreciate you sharing what you were feeling as we were starting to have the conversation. What what were you concerned was going to happen? That the questions were going to go in in what what direction or what you said you were concerned about some of the questions that might come. Say a little more if you would. I, I think it was more. Yeah, I mean, I was. Con- not concerned in that sense that I wouldn't be able to handle the questions, but it right. was more of like, um, what would it would it fracture the group? Would it create you know uh, walls between us? Because you know, what are people thinking, or what are they afraid to ask? Um, you know, discrimination type. Qu- I mean, I just didn't know exactly where it was going to go, but it was you know it was just the fear because we had just gotten there and you know we had dinner, but it was it was like okay, what's going to happen now, kind yep. of thing, right? Yep. Mm. Now we we've saved obviously the most poignant. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, reflection uh, for last. So, Jeff, please. <laughs> They're all stifling tremendous, you so tremendous laughter so right there bad. right now. How does this happen? This. Like, I, you know, did, did Bruce and Austin uh, call you beforehand? <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just reading the room. <laughs> no, but, but, but in all seriousness. Um, what were some of the takeaways of the uh, of, of the conversation that, that you led? You're, you'll probably laugh now and think this is proof it's not very poignant what happened, but I think it was more just processing the day, and it wasn't through a particular lens, Christian or or you know uh, Jewish or, or Muslim. It was more just processing the day. What struck you? What were your takeaways? 
Um, you know, where, where, where did you see kind of God in motion? Something similar to, but not quite on, on the same plane as what Asif did when we were at the mosque. And then there was some, uh, some other just questions that came up about the week, etc. So that was just a chance to sit and be more intentional um, I found when you're leading groups that if you don't frame that space a little bit more intentionally without it becoming contrived, that those conversations, those deeper dives that people might want to take, be able to take, might not happen because there's the chance to have lighter social interface or you're tired and you just want to relax and you don't want to do the work of deconstructing the day and figuring out what it was. So just framing a bit of a space to be able to hear, so you know, how was today for you? And that allows people who weren't at the same work site or who didn't have a lot of interface on the work site to make sure they were connected to the broader group. So in that individual narrative time, there's the chance for the group to gather around each person's story. Um, so that's what I was trying to do on the second night. Okay. It was so beautiful and profound. <laughs> <laughs> so profound that he left because his friend Steve had come and then he had to, yeah. to go be with him. But it was, uh, it, it was a good night and I think we were thoughtful about but not contrived I think about how we frame space and most of the work I want to echo what Bruce said was really done I think naturally organically on site in the van during lunch and the pairing off of even people with different um, abilities or complementary abilities in terms of the tasks we had to fulfill it was just so natural that the work supervisors never really had to say okay well what do you know and what do you know and well you two have to go over here all of a sudden the groups just formed and i was always left alone without a group and it was <laughs> terrible it was so horrible i hope we talk about that you know <laughs> that, that we might need another show <laughs> right exactly yeah that's a different radio network right Yep. Uh, let me let me ask this because there's a narration uh, in Islam which basically states that you get to know a person by uh, th- there are three ways um, that um, by working with them, traveling with them, living uh, with an individual, right? That you really get to know a person, uh, and what it speaks to it speaks to the lack of opportunity to put up walls, uh, and you get to really see a person, you know, the essence of who they are in in those types of situations. So, saying that. Do you feel that maybe there's this division is overblown uh, sometimes or was presented in a way that there is not connection, even though that this was a very deliberate uh, effort to bring these three faith traditions together. Uh, but do you feel that the possibilities for correcting this, this, this narrative or perception that there is this great division uh, between um, our, our faith traditions is 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 overblown and that just the work that you all have done it it, it kind of it gives a marker uh, or an indication that maybe it's not as hard as, as people uh uh pretend or, or or promote you know or, you know give us make us think it is i think that we have been trained for far too long in our society that we that we exist in a zero, a zero sum society that for me to have means that you can't and so we create these divisions of and quite arbitrary, right, around skin color or religion or whatever it is so that I can have and you can't. And it's, it's a myth. And if you can work beyond that or just take, get out of your box, you see how easy it is. And easy, isn't, that's not a fair word. 
Because again, I don't want to deny difference. Sure. As one of you said, you said earlier, it's not about denying difference. It's about accepting difference because my success is not dependent on your failure. My success is dependent upon your success. So if there's a way that we can work together outside of that dynamic, anything's possible. And that's kind of what we were doing down there. I agree too. I mean, I remember growing up, I'd go to my grandmother's house and she, she loved to play games and I liked games, but I liked playing games with my grandmother more than I liked games. And I asked her once, this is actually going somewhere, Bruce. I know you're going to ask me whether it is. Um, why do you like playing games so much? And whenever she said anything that was pointing to me, she would say my first full name and my middle name. She'd say, Jeffrey, David, it's not about the games. It's about being with people. The games just facilitate that. Right. And I think the power of this trip for me, one of the powerful things, and I think it played out for our group, is that our work down there was simply the means by which we could both be incredibly co-present with one another, yet without always it being we're looking eye to eye and being self-consciously present to each other. Having that third thing, that intermediary of the work, allowed us to be present in a way that cultivated a sense of connection I think gave us an appreciation for our diversity as much as for our commonality and then set the ground sort of prepared the soil for those later conversations that were more eye to eye and intentional those more reflective questions those more challenging interrogatives that Bruce was asking on on our first night so the work like the games with my grandmother created that common space and I think it just made it easy again sounds like the wrong word but natural maybe is a better word so I, I think that that was in part the benefit of also going to a very neutral place that was not our home soil for any one of us. So we could be aliens, if you would, in a foreign land and have to find our ground together as well as find our ground with those who were the residents of that community. So getting out of our safe space, our home space, and having something in common, uh, in common where I think two integral parts of finding our unity but also continuing to hold up our diversity mm. Anything? Yeah, yeah I mean um, kind of ditto to what both Jeff and uh, Bruce have <laughs> said it's, it's spreading um, but it happened. on top of that I mean the, it's this whole thing of what you have to choose right that you can't have both things like you can only have one or the other and kind of where we're at in the world now about you know it's only about Americans, but not about the world, right? Why can't, why, if we thought about the world, how things would be different and giving to the world as a whole, right? Uh, but one example of that is, you know, when you're staying in a house together, I mean, just one example, like, you know, Steve, who's a member of uh, Jeff's congregation, like we were sleeping in the same room, you know, different beds, but like, at night, we're falling asleep, but we're just having this conversation, we're getting to know each other. That could not happen if we weren't in a different place, you know, other than our homes or, you know, um, if we were sleeping separately, right? We just got to know each other in a different way. And religion and these these barriers did not come into play. You were just two guys just learning about each other. And I think that's the importance of if you take these things away, like, the, like you know, and not, not to say that we, we had a commonality. I mean, we were of different faith groups, but it didn't matter. Like we were just two guys hanging out and talking right. and learning about each other. Mm. And I, I would say <clears throat> the trips like this uh, are all about problem solving. Inevitably, things will go wrong and there will be problems to fix. Uh, one of the first things that <clears throat> I encountered on this trip was that 
that the the step into the van was huge and and so you guys stopped at a hardware store and got these little one step stools and and that fixed that problem but the, the, you know the trip had had many mm -hmm. instances of things like that where everybody worked together to uh to, to come up with solutions and and you know I think that's an inevitable part of a trip like this and that was such a beautiful simple I'm so glad you brought that up immediate expression of community yeah and of, and of mutual care I mean we literally had not even gotten to the houses from the airport and we stopped to get a quick bite to eat and members of the group were already going off to the store to get these stools mm. it was just like that's how that that ethic that common care that you know we're one just manifested so naturally before we were totally conscious of it in a way but I'm so glad you brought that up so so what is um, what is the next thing that is going to be the deliberate call to, to, to this uh, coming together again what's, what's, what's the next thing and and does it have to be since you've, you've come together you, you've, you've gone out, out of state to work uh, does it have to be that you're traveling somewhere else now? Now, are, are, what, what's next? Uh, well, um, in the immediate, yeah. taking a step back, the Sunday after the trip, uh, Jeff invited all of us to come and to folks from the synagogue, and I don't know if you, Asif, I, I know you got yeah. there, uh, to show up and to give witness to what happened and to participate, and then Jeff came this past Friday night to us to, to participate in that as well. Um, I have some things in the hopper that I'm going to present to both of them, hopefully very shortly, as a way of doing something here, mm -hmm. hopefully maybe through Habitat for Humanity or something like that, uh, because it is easy, again, I hate using that word, to go away, but look in your backyard or your front yard and yes. be proactive here to build that. So if there's a way we can work together here, we are looking to do that. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, you know, just CC me on that. I, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, so, so in Glencoe, where I am, mm -hmm. uh, the churches and synagogues got together 15 years ago to start Glencoe Interfaith Builders, in which we built 8 to 10 homes up in um, Waukegan and North Chicago. And the opportunity is presenting itself again, and I'm hoping to expand it a little bit to include the folks here. So there, I just told you. But we're going to see if that actually <laughs> happens. That's that, that's something awesome. like that, but it has something has to be here, and yeah, and um, and hopefully it'll continue to grow us together. Okay, that's great. A s similar thing. I mean, I, I, I'm exploring opportunities, and so if listeners have some opportunities, like I'm thinking similar, like with Iman, you know, doing something on the south side because I know they're working on the south side all the time mm -hmm. with you know rebuilding and things like that. So so you know, it's winter time right now. I think we want it to maybe warm up a little bit and and figure out how to do this cuz you know, a lot of people couldn't take off the time yeah. or chose not to take off the time on vacation and whatnot during the day. So what's what can we do in the evening times? What can we do on the weekends? So like that's the thought process for now. How can we include a lot more people that will volunteer their time and probably easier to do maybe on the weekend or in the evening? time right right okay and what do you have so what also uh we mentioned what well, it was mentioned before we went on air uh that there's some that there's a um a protest that is going on might want to go ahead and lead into that is that something that everybody 
is in or is that just um, is that just so a congregation? It, it was. So thank you for allowing us to bring it up. Mm-hmm. As we know, until the Supreme Court decided today not to decide, not to take the case about DACA that the Trump administration brought to the Supreme Court, right. but to throw back to the lower courts, that next week there was a deadline, a week from today, by which if Congress did not uh, come up with a solution to um, the 800,000 DACA recipients that we know of, that the deportation process was going to begin. So there's been a series of rallies and protests taking place. And today at 4.30 in Federal Plaza, um, this Thursday is the Jewish holiday of Purim, in which we celebrate how Queen Esther saved the Jewish people from Haman, who wanted to expel the Jewish people because they were deemed to be either illegal or unnecessary or extraneous or what have you. So taking upon the mantle of Queen Esther, the Jewish community was sponsoring, is sponsoring the event. It's the National Council of Jewish Women, the Jewish Council on Urban Affairs, and a few other wonderful organizations. We're going to be in uh, federal, in federal Plaza down here um, invoking our faith and those who are with us to say we will not stand for this, that there are no illegal people and that there are no strangers in this country. And so that's the nature of it. We would love for you to join us today at 430. Well, that's, that is great to hear. Um, and I'm always inspired. And I shouldn't say inspired. I expect to see uh, those that uphold the, the, the mantle um, uh, of, of Scripture and the tradition, um, uh, the prophetic tradition. I, I expect that they would be first and foremost that are championing for the rights of those who are denied a voice. Uh, so, um, so you're doing exactly what is expected, <laughs> which is a wonderful thing. Thank you for expecting that of us. Yes, absolutely. I mean that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, in all seriousness. Um, Tariq, can I add one thing? Go you right Going back to something you had said earlier, um, and I think you asked a very important question, and it was a complex question. Uh, there are differences or differences that are purported to exist between our different traditions. Sure. And I think you were also pointing, correct me if I'm wrong, toward how at times people will um, not necessarily from within a religion, but perhaps from within a religion, any religion, use belief as a, as, a, as a wedge between themselves and others, whether that's to prop up oneself or to create a sense of division that serves another purpose that's very ungodly. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we humans are great at doing that, aren't we? Yeah. I think there's going to continue to be a broad and broadly covered, consistently covered narrative of division. I think that's going to continue for some time. Um, It's continued across the course of history. Why would it not continue now? And religion is often thrown into that mix, I think, inaccurately, unfairly, as being fuel for that fire or the cause of our our need to be separate. Things like our trip to Houston, um, efforts uh, like working with with, uh, Habitat for Humanity um, uh, that Bruce is going to be proposing to our group, continuing to do things locally and, and farther afield, that show how we can come together and celebrate our common humanity, continue to witness completely to our given traditions, and yet do that in the company of others so as to then honor those as well, to show these different paths that we all take to God, um, I think will be very important in creating that that asymmetric, that kind of um, um, organic counter-narrative. And... I just want to encourage you know listeners to to be about this work of building up our community and doing that from the base of our given religious traditions, not in spite of them. 
So I wanted to come back to something you said before uh, about division and identity and, and the, the tricky ground that I think we feel we're all walking in right now. Yeah. And, I, and I also, if I can just add to that. Please. Um, I, that does not mean that we ignore that there are differences. Mm-hmm. Correct. And there are potential places of okay. conflict. But the opportunity to share in the exploration of those conflicts when we feel safe to do that with each other, with, with any group, is a sign of a, of, a, of a society that is comfortable with itself. Yes. Not the ones that exploit those differences for political gain or out of fear. So I would welcome the opportunity, even what I said before about dialogue, I'd welcome the opportunity with these communities if it's to evolve into that. Yeah. Where we can be honest about there are some places where we disagree yes. profoundly and that's okay to me is a sign of of us wanting to make a statement that it can be different and should be from a muslim uh uh perspective uh grounding it within within our our scripture um quran there is a there's an advisement and an and an instruction uh, almost a mandate uh which says that uh that we have not created the human family uh, we've not created you um, with these differences for you to antagonize one another but for you to benefit through your association the, through learning uh, about each other to find your, your you know your common aims and, and, and uh, objectives uh, and then there's also the uh, there is the uh, admoni- admonition not an admonition but a reminder uh, to to have reverence uh, this deep Regard that is incomparable and unlike any other. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this taqwa, this term taqwa, uh, for your Lord who has created you from a single individual, mm-hmm. uh, single soul, uh, and from the from that created is made from them, you know, uh, humanity. The idea of community flourishing from these two, and I think that these are important reminders for us, particularly when we we construct this these these banners of of, of interfaith and, and dialogue, all these different things without understanding from a scriptural standpoint that we were already we are we've already been connected uh so that's that's part of the the celebration for me uh in in my own my my personal work uh and in an observance of of what you all have done it's still just it's an affirmation of that connection the differences even if you're the same same faith you're still going to have differences uh, with people (laughs) so um, As you said, Sally. So, so uh, Jeff was at services Friday night, and we gave this uh, perspective, this talk, each of us, yeah. on two sides of one thing. Mm-hmm. And there were about 60 people in the room, and, and afterwards, we were going to have a follow-up, and everyone from the synagogue rushed to say how he was right and I was wrong. <laughs> right, so there you go. Right, so to, your, to your point. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, I believe there's a surah in the Quran that says, uh, you have your religion, I have my religion. At the end of the day, I'm held responsible for my choices. You're held responsible for your choices. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's okay. You know, we, we just have to realize that, mm-hmm. that, that we're held accountable, but, but the differences are, are there. Yeah, and you know what, just to say, that, like the context of that one, the spirit uh, definitely is there's a there's a chapter of Quran where it says that um, basically we come to common terms right um, and and that is without without going too far into it that is the most important thing is to come to the common agreement um, my God our God is one God mm-hmm. 
um, and coming to the to, to an understanding that everything that we do is an extension of that belief um, and how we relate to one another, how we relate to the problems around us are extensions of that belief. So Radio Sound family, as you know, I'm the Imam of Meshit Atakwa, which means that I'm talking all the time. So even in this position right now, I have to stop myself from going into sermon mode. Uh, <laughs> Preach away. <laughs> Amen. So, uh, but no, uh, it's, um, it, it's inspiring. Um, and what I hope to see on a personal level, um, the connection that I see right here, I hope that this is like the groundwork for a, a greater, a broader connection of faith where there is a, um, where there, there's the, the Latinx mm-hmm. um, uh, involvement, the uh, African-American mm-hmm. uh, church and African-American Muslim um, uh, community. The, uh, we, we got a lot of folks with a lot mm-hmm. of different labels and hats, right? Uh, but still all, all looking at the same societal uh, issues and and if we can address those things, then I think that's just that's to our betterment. I want to thank you. I know I say this on our behalf. Um, the group always is scared when I say I'm going to say something in their behalf, and I haven't shared with them what it is yet. So if they had blood pressure monitors on, they'd be high right now. But I promise it's good. Um, your willingness to invite us here to share this story, both before the trip and then you so enthusiastically said you have to come back. We were so honored to be invited. Um, that you've invited us, the way you have conducted the interview made us feel so at home and just so warmly embraced what this endeavor is and how you've acknowledged, as I think we're acknowledging, that we don't know where this is leading, but we're excited about discovering that together. Um, Thank you for being part of that process. As integral as the group that went down is this narrative and how we're broadening that to your listener base, and we're so appreciative of that. And I've got to give a – we have to give a big shout-out because – when the idea was brought to me, um, and it was brought by uh, the uh, president of Sound Vision, the, the founder of uh, Radio Islam, uh, Imam Abdul Malik Mujahid, he sent me a text and said, I've not seen this before. We need to get this on. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to just give him um, yeah, you know, major, just a, too. Yeah, a shout out for, for recognizing the value of this. So, uh, I, I mean, it was a no-brainer, you know. <laughs> so, all right, well, look um, – all right. Well, I, I think we have we have we've talked about it. Um, we have come to the uh, conclusion of another, another wonderful uh, edition of Radio Islam. Uh, I appreciate all of you taking time out to come in and to, to share a little bit of, of what you received. Uh, and, and I'm going to pray earnestly, you know, that may God continue to bless each and every one of you uh, as individuals, but also uh, the communities that, that you represent. And to, to further this connection that you all um, have, have, have started and embarked on, because we're better for it. Yes. So, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Radio Islam family. Um, well, I guess we'll be back again tomorrow with God's permission, inshallah. We say this all the time. All right, so we want to thank, at this point, we want to thank the engineers over at WCEV for making sure that we come through loud and clear. We want to thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Baig. Uh, I'm your host and producer, Tariq el Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And don't forget about the upcoming Sound Vision Dinner, March 17th at Lizette uh, Banquets in Streamwood. Go to soundvision.com if you'd like to purchase tickets. 
We hope to see you there. And now we're going to let you off the hook. And God willing, we'll talk to you tomorrow. So I'm going to leave you now as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.